0: so good to see you this morning. Glad to see everybody in the house, all my children in here. Thank God for that. Glad to be able to lay eyes on you. Know that everybody's all right. Ain't really much that a daddy wants. Be honest with you. Go get me a glass of Kool-Aid. Bring me a piece of cake out of the kitchen. ain't going to be but one in there, if that one's in there. Don't eat that last piece of cake. Make sure everything's all right. With your babies, you want to make sure your children are all right. You want to get a daddy upset. Mess with his children. You see a whole other side of him. That applies to his wife as well, but, but don't mess with my children. You can mess with me all you want, but don't mess with my babies. I've been kind of reflecting this morning, thanking God for how good He's been to me for all these 56 years. I bet I'm not the only one who didn't imagine his life being where it is all those many years ago, because God sure can't do some different thing, some twists and turns and put you somewhere that you never would have thought, probably wouldn't have even signed up for, but I'm so glad he's been in charge and didn't leave me in charge, because I sure would have messed it up. <laughs> I would have I straight messed it up. Yeah, my little plan for myself was so much smaller than what God has done for me. And I thought I was playing in B. But you don't know B till you try God's B. So I want to make sure today that before I step into this message, I want to make sure I'm celebrating the right folks today. I know I'm always talking about we don't celebrate Father's Day enough. In reality, I think honestly most good fathers, most fathers are celebrated every day by their children. I think that's really the truth. And I don't think a special day is going to make a difference if they don't respect and love you every day. And so today, I want to join in the chorus of celebrating all the Facebook friending, Instagram, Snapchatting, tweeting letter writing, special school project report typing, hair plaiting, baseball coaching, backpack toting, late night pacing, long rehearsal staying, two job working, no sleep getting, I don't care if you mad at me declaring, baby mama marrying, Mama hand-holding, baby birth class going, baby walking, baby burping, baby rocking, diaper changing, peek a playing, Lord help, this baby won't go to sleep and stop crying, declaring, nursery rhyme quoting, bedtime story reading, potty training, teaching, patty cake playing, bubble blowing, dinosaur roaring, ninja turtle kicking, fingernail polishing, tea party drinking, late night scary monster chasing, piggyback riding, overtime working, driver's ed teaching, tire changing, first day of school crying, homework helping, sideline coaching, discipline delivering, school SGA campaign working, high school graduates celebrating, first boyfriend terrifying, overdraft account depositing, eye rolling tolerating. First love rejection supporting, first cell phone buying, no you can't wear that outfit declaring, late night when you come home late waiting, strange story listening, college bound driving, on his face praying, Harry Potter loving, first apartment decorating, wedding day giving away crying, first dance having, Grandbaby holding, still there when life don't go the way you want to have it, loving. Ninja Turtle with Polly playing, that's a Wabby Cat singing. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, declaring Happy Father's Day to all the fathers and more who fit in all those categories. We are so complex, so many facets to the diamond called Daddy make sure we're not allowed to fit into the caricature that the media would make us fit into. We don't all look the same, act the same, talk the same, think the same. I want to say Happy Father's Day to every man who is standing up trying to be responsible for what God has allowed him to create. And to those of you who are not able to talk to your daddy today or don't talk to your daddy, Bless the man who is a father figure in your life. Bless the man who loves you enough to share his life with you and his advice. Amen. Amen. Today, I want to step right back into this sermon series that I've been into for the last three weeks, and I think it falls right in line. I've been talking about men in the Bible who exhibit father characteristics that benefit us all. Today is no exception. It's a familiar passage of scripture, perhaps with a not familiar twist. It come from Luke chapter 15, perhaps one of the most familiar passages of scripture in the Bible. Jesus said it. Luke chapter 15 is known theologically as the chapter of lostness. All right, there are different things that are lost in this script, in this passage, in this chapter, and it goes from one coin out of a hundred, one coin to one sheep to people declaring the importance of what is found. I like this cast because the value of what is lost goes up. Yeah. Yeah. Initially, it's about a woman sweeping a house and she loses a coin. and She won't stop until she finds that coin in that house. And then it's about a shepherd who lost a sheep out of a hundred. People are amazed that that shepherd will leave the 99 and go find the one sheep that is lost. The one sheep. That's because every sheep is important to a shepherd. And then we get to this chapter 15 section starting at chapter 11. And while you generally know the story, I want to pigeonhole one of the verses. I want to skip from chapter 11 all the way down to chapter t- to verse 20. I want to skip from verse 11 to verse 20. Get it together, Andre. And Luke writes in verse 20, and he arose and came to his father. Here's my focal point. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. This morning for Father's Day, I want to talk about the father who keeps looking. The father who keeps looking, keeps on looking out for me, the Father who keeps looking. Of all the fathers in the Bible, the Father in our text is probably spoken of more than all the rest of them combined. We we don't know from the scripture the names of his sons. A wife and mother is never introduced into the narrative. Not to say mothers and wives aren't important, but for the purpose of this story, as we get into it, you'll understand perhaps why Mama's not in this one. Maybe, maybe in the narrative as Jesus would have contemplated it, Mama has passed away. At any rate, this father is left with two sons to rear. And the question is, how do you deal with those circumstances? And while we look at the surface of the story, T, we'll find that it's deeper than the surface, what Luke is trying to give to us. Too often, we gather truth from faraway lands and we don't, we don't understand the treasure we get from father's household. What what does that mean? That means I can appreciate things out there in the world, but I don't value what's under my roof when I'm staying with my dad. We don't have any problem imagining what happened in that far country with this boy. You know the story. You know the story. I don't even really have to read it to you for you to know that this man had two sons and one was younger and one was older. And the younger boy was one of those rambunctious ones. He was the kind who had to be shown rather than told. One of y'all got a child like that. You just can't tell him to go do something or you can't even threaten him. You got to come through with it. You promise in order for him to act right, because all kids are not created equal, nor should they ever be. All of them have distinct personalities and should be allowed to develop as such. You won't ever see the value in the diamond until you rub it a little bit and get that shine out, but every one of them won't shine the same way. We all know that, we represent that. But instead of concentrating on the sons today, I want to talk about the dad, the father. What was this father doing while his son was away in the far country? You know, the story says the younger son came to his daddy and pointed his finger in his face and said, I'm tired of living by your rules. I don't like doing all this work around here. All you do is work, me like I'm one of your slaves. So I tell you what, I've reached a point where I want to get up out of here, so you give me what's coming to me, and then I'll leave. If you don't know that this story uh, represents the reality in Jewish households, you don't know that the law says that if a child did this, that the father, if a child came and disrespected a father like this. And why was it a disrespect? Because this man was basically being told by his young son, I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead and I want you to treat me as if you were dead, and give me what I would have coming to me under your estate. Of course, the offense is that this man is alive. By law, this man could have taken this boy out the city gates and stoned him to death. Oh, that's the Levitical law, would have allowed him to treat him that way out of disrespect. That's the story we're left, left with. And the, and the Bible says, if we read the scripture, that a couple of days after he makes this statement to his daddy, he gathers everything that the daddy gives him. And the daddy acquiesces and says he'll give it to him. Give it, gives it to him. A couple of days later, the Bible says the boy took everything he could and left. So let me put that into today's parlance. After daddy came to him and gave him all his property, all his living, that's it, his living. The boy went down to the pawn shop and pawned it for 10 cents on the dollar. Went out in the streets and sold what the pawn shop wouldn't take. In other words, he liquidated everything he could. And you know when you liquidate something that fast, you're never going to get full value for it. So watch this man. He's seeing all his hard living in the hands of his young son being spread out among the community. And of course, the folks in the community were happy to take it. Because even though the dad had worked real hard for it, they could get it for little or nothing. And this boy took all the cash he could get, packed his grip, and went down the road. The Bible said he went to a far city. Don't get so strung out on what the far city is. Yeah. The far city is any city that's bigger than the one you're living in. (laughs) That's the far city. And he went there and spent what he earned, what he took, I'm sorry, forgive me, what he took from his daddy on riotous living. Cash, you know anything about riotous living? Yeah, I know a lot about Riders Living. Yeah. 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 Know a lot about Riders Living. Yeah. Yeah, there's a whole lot of songs made about Rioters Living. In fact they the soundtrack of Rioters Living and Money Spins Easy and Quick in Riders Living. You got a whole lot of friends when you're in Riders Living. Now, there's a difference in riotous living and righteous living. Don't get them. They sound similar, but there's a whole lot of difference in them. This man spent his, this boy spent his money in riotous living. Everybody was his friend. Drinks on the house every time I come around. Money don't last real long like that. He left. But can I tell you something, there's a flip side of this. While the daddy gave the boy his and let him leave the younger boy, little known in the story is that the older brother, who was also at the house, also got his distribution. Because the Levitical law said that under those circumstances, if the daddy was going to make a distribution of his estate while he was still alive, he had to give it to both of them. And the truth of the matter is, while the younger son did get one-third of the father's estate, the older boy, as the heir apparent, got two-thirds of it. The problem is one of them, the younger one, got his and left. The elder one got his and stayed. Yeah. And while we talk about this all the time, we often call this the parable of the prodigal son. Can I tell you something? The parable of the prodigal son. Some might even categorize it as the lost son. And it is that but that's not the significance of it. And I don't believe that's the reason why Jesus told this parable. No, not at all. It's certainly the story of a boy who foolishly threw away all his fortunes, but it's equally about a boy who was lost and stayed. Not just about a one who was lost and left, but also about a boy who was lost and who stayed. And I've come to believe in, this, in the reading of this story that Jesus actually didn't even come to talk about the two boys, that Jesus wanted us to concentrate on the father. That the story at its essence is the strength of who this father is. Not the lost son, but the loving father. Scholars have discovered, Jessica, that prior to Jesus telling this story, see if I give you context, I think we understand why Jesus told the story prior to Jesus telling the story to those Pharisees that day, that the Jewish rabbis already had a story that they would tell to their congregants that was similar to this. Yeah, it was years before Jesus' ministry ever came into being. And so as Jesus is telling the story, all of the folks, his audience sitting there saying, we heard this story before. We already know this story. Jesus is telling the same old man with two sons stories, but he's not. He's not. No, no, he's telling something a little bit different, and that's just how church ought to be. When scripture comes to you, you ought to be able to hear it, but a good theologian ought to be able to tell you something a little bit different that gives you a different perspective on it. And the reason why Jesus was so wonderful at what he did is because he could take conventional, I heard that before, wisdom, and turn it upside down, and tell you not just what the convention is, but what it ought to be. And so he says, this story is not so much about the boys, but it's about the father who keeps on looking. Some folks in here ought to be glad they had a dad that kept looking. Oh, yeah. You know, because just like these two boys in this household, you showed out too. You showed out and you stepped out. You acted up, but you had a daddy who kept on looking for you. You had a daddy who didn't lock the door and change the lock, but who kept on allowing you to have the freedom to become who you are. And that's the first point I think Jesus wants us to know about this, Man and these two boys, this boy, these boys, are fortunate because they have a father who keeps on looking for them. Why is that important? Because this father he keeps looking because he knows his children. A good father knows his children. Think about it. They worked on this, on this estate every day all day. They worked on it. He kept looking for his children because he knows them. He knew he had to count a younger son who was going to come to him one day and challenge everything. Why? Because he had already challenged everything in life. What's that, daddy? That's a bird. Well, why is it blue? Because God made it blue. Well, why did God make it blue? Because God wanted to make it blue. Well, why did he tweet like that? Why? This, this was, he had a why child. And he had a child who needed the answers, and daddies know, within a sense, that they don't always have the answers. They always know that at some point in life, you're going to have to go out and find the answers for yourself because dad is not going to always be able to tell you. And any dad who thinks he's always going to have every answer for his child is fooling himself. Because there are some questions that only life will answer for them. And sometimes they put themselves in precarious situations trying to find the answer to life's questions. I find it amazing that when confronted by his son, It was outrageous. It was disgusting. It was despicable, and yet this father didn't get angry, Justin. He simply said, yes. After being disrespected by his younger son like this, he simply looks at him and says, yes, son. I'll give you what you're asking for. Why would this man do this? Why would this man be publicly humiliated and shamed by his younger son like this? He does it because he knows his children. He knows that if I don't acquiesce to my son's r- demands, it's going to get worse from here. He's going to keep on making life miserable around here for everybody, and he's not going to stop until he gets the questions answered, and he might go out and do something different than I imagine he will if he have the resources that I'm going to give him and so I'm gonna give him what he's asking for. Jesus doesn't say the father was even taken aback by the request, why? Because he knows his children. The scripture is very clear that the father did as the son requested and gave him his portion. Do you know your children? That's just a question. Do you know your children? Do you really know your children? Well, you might know them up to a point when they're children, but when manhood hits them, things happen just a little bit different. And I'm going to challenge you and say this. I doubt it if you know your child because they don't know themselves. They're still trying to find themselves. And so how can you be so sure who they are simply because of the example you placed in front of them when they're still trying to figure out what to do with that example you gave? They're struggling behind that. Maybe you provided the best example you could. You gave them everything you possibly could. And that may be wonderful at, in its place and at its time, but right now they just want to know why birds are blue. And you can't give them that answer. And in the curiosity of them is going to make them go out and find out why birds are blue. It's going to drive them crazy until they find out but you'll make it even worse if you hold them back from searching for the answers for that. Give them the space. Know who your children are. He knew his request was coming from the attitude his son had displayed while he was doing chores around the house all the time. He knew that there was never any assignment given that didn't come with a why, how do I do it, how long I got to be here, and so he knew his son. But he also knew the other son, too. And he knew that while he had one son that was outspoken and would grumble, he had another one who was also working, but he was mad, too. He just didn't have the courage to say the things that the younger son had. He doesn't say anything, and he doesn't leave like his brother, but the truth of the matter is the father knew he had two sons, both lost, both lost. One lost son left, and the other lost son stayed. He knew, that older boy knew, that if you don't say anything, that people can't know your feelings when you don't open your mouth. But he also knew, the father did, that a boiling pot will eventually spill over. The father knew his sons, and that's why he kept looking. Now, the truth of the matter is, and why Jesus told us this parable, hear me now, is these boys actually represent two factions within the church today. And this is what Jesus was trying to get to for everybody. The parable represents the self-centeredness of the younger boy, because we have a faction in the church that's absolutely self-centered. People like this younger boy are struggling with the tenets and the structure of the church. And this boy leaves because he thinks that the structure of the church is too restricted to live your life in fact, maybe even not just the structure of the church, but this whole lifestyle we call Christianity. It might be too restrictive. There's too many rules. Tradition is too tough. And I got to find an easier way to walk this pathway called Christianity. But Jesus also tells the story not just of this younger boy who represents self-centeredness, but he also tells the story of this older boy who represents not self-centeredness, but self-righteousness. Self-righteous older brother who stays. He stays, but he's equally lost. See, self-centeredness is as destructive as self-righteousness. The younger brother represents the section of the church who believe in secular pluralism. In other words, you can do a whole lot of things and still get to where you want to go. It's still secular, but I believe all of it ends up in the right space. The older brother represents religious moralism. In other words, I do it this way, the Bible says we're supposed to do it this way, and if you don't get yourself together and live it this way, you're going to hell and everything's going to be wrong. Two factions within the same church, both are lost. See, in, in some ways, We're able to identify with the younger son because a whole lot of us have had our problems with the restrictions in the church. We've all pushed against the guardrails in the church trying to get our own feeling together. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Sit down, wear this, don't talk, don't do all these things that create what we call the traditional church service. When We need to liven it up in here. The music needs to change a little bit. Don't sing that song. It's too secular. We don't need to hear that. We all struggle a little bit like the younger brother did. But thank God we have a father who knows his children. He allows us to have some leeway in how we are praising and worshiping him. And eventually he knows that a change is going to come. The audience to which Jesus was talking in verse 2 would have had a tremendous exception to this parable he's taking. When Jesus started telling this, they would have been disgusted by this father who allowed his father, who allowed his younger son to talk to him this way. Remember now, I'm talking about these self-righteous folk in the church. That was the audience. We weren't the audience at the time. Jesus was talking to an audience of Pharisees. He was trying to convince them that the way they went about looking at life was wrong. The way they went about dealing with life was too restrictive and wrong and it was more self-righteous than righteous that audience would have been disgusted by the way jesus framed his discussion that day why they were already mad at jesus why were they mad at jesus andre because jesus had already said he was the son of god and yet he socialized with all these younger brother type folk you you don't hear me now he was the one who hung out with the folk who were sinners in their definition not only did he hang out with them he fellowshiped with them he dined with them. He sat at the table with tax collectors. He sat at the table with prostitutes. He sat at the table with all these younger brother type folk. And you dare tell us you represent the will of God? How in the world can you represent the will of God when you don't even follow the will of God yourself? But they were self-righteous. In other words, if you're not doing it our way, you're doing it the the wrong way. Sound like that, young, that older brother had a whole group of folk who were following him. And that's true today. Now, don't act like we don't have folk in the church like that right now. Come on now. You know we got folk who think new folk ain't supposed to come in. You, you, you know that now. You know you, we, we know the definition of new gets spread so long that you still new after 15 years. Yeah, if you weren't raised in the church, then you really don't have nothing to say about what's going on in here now. You, you still, you know, come on now, don't act like I'm the only one who's paid attention to that. Folks have a hard time integrating and being a part of the system. The younger boy on the farm got tired of the older brother telling him what to do all day, every day. Got tired of not being the one to be able to make the assignments. Got tired of being the one who always had to clean out the horse stalls and clean out the sheep pens. He got tired of doing that. And so he wanted to go out and find another way to do it. Yeah. Same way in the church. that Certain people always have to be the chairman of this. and Always have to be over this activity. Self-righteousness, and if you're not doing it his way, you're not doing it the right way. But the truth of the matter is, just like these two boys, our father knows his children and he knows how to deal with them. He keeps looking for his children when they are lost. And I like this because not only is he one who keeps looking out for his children, he's faithful. Oh, yeah, he's faithful. See, the older brother stayed at the farm and he kept working. He kept working. The younger brother left the farm trying to learn how to live. But the father, the father is constant. And this is what we need to know about him. He's always faithful to us. He doesn't change his activity. The day after the boy got up and took all his earnings down the street, the daddy got up and did the same thing he did before. And when he he saw his older son go out and do the work that he did, the father stayed constant. He didn't challenge either one of his boys, even though both of them were lost. And the same is true here in the church. Been so many evolutions in the church, but God has stayed faithful. He stayed the same. He's ever faithful to us. How do I know he's faithful? Because if you look at the rest of the parable, you'll see just how prepared he was. He made sure that in the stall was a fatty calf every day. He's faithful. Put that calf over there, and I want you to feed him every day. Why? Because a good day of celebration is coming. I'm waiting for the day. I don't know what day he's coming back, but I'm waiting for him to come back. I don't know when it'll be, but I'm looking for him to come down that road any day now. Not only that, make sure my robe is clean. Yeah, why? Because he's faithful. He's making preparation. You need to know this, that while you're out there wondering, and wondering, W-A-N, and wondering, W-O-N, he's faithful. Yeah, he knows that one day you're coming back. Yeah, when you can't find your way, he's still back at the house taking care of things. Not only that, shine up my ring, make sure my ring is okay. Yeah, nobody on the farm has a ring but the owner. Yeah, and whoever he allows to have that ring and have access to it. He kept on looking and he kept on being faithful. The scripture says be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That's what good fathers do. They lay a foundation. Come on now. I knew if nothing else in Birmingham wasn't going right, I could come back to Birmingham and go to 3701 43rd Avenue North and everything would be all right at that house. That's in Elanian City. For all my life, it was a constant. And when I knew when I came in the door, there was going to be something to eat, In that house. I knew there was going to be something available for me to refresh myself in that house. Why? Because the folk who lived in that house, they were a constant in my life. And guess what? I believe in the morning they got up and went on the porch and looked just to see if one of their children were coming down the street. They were a constant, just like this fall. They were faithful to what they were about, and I could set my watch on them. I could depend on them. Faithfulness makes a difference. Faithfulness allows you to have the the freedom to be foolish. Yeah, because you know there's somebody who's available to catch you. I can't tell you how much money I wasted before I called and said I needed something. I couldn't tell them that I had spent money drinking. All I could do was call them and say I need something, and they loved me enough not to ask me for what. Because if the truth were told, I would have been ashamed to tell them what I spent the money on, for real. Everybody got friends with student loans coming in on college campus. Everybody happy, friendly, we can hang out together, but it's when you done spent all the money from your student loan. Hopefully, you paid your tuition. That's when you start realizing who your real tight man is, who the one who want to stay there with you. I've been through all these things, and I can tell you right now, it's a hurtful feeling to believe that you don't have anywhere to go. It's a hurtful feeling to not have any resources available to you. And I'm so glad that in my riotous time of living, because I don't believe I'm the only one in here, I'm not asking you to reveal yourself or show yourself, but I just believe I wasn't the only one in them parties. In fact, I can look around today and see some teachers who were in the party with me. I can look around today and see some doctors who were in the party with me. When I was throwing my hands up, I looked over and they had their hands up too. I wasn't the only one in riotous living. I wasn't the only one acting up, messing up, trying to find my way. So I can't point the finger at this younger boy, because I was one of those two that got up and said, I couldn't ask nobody to give me nothing, I just left. Trying to find my way, it wasn't no estate to be divided with me, but I had to go out and find my way. And just like this younger boy, I'm so glad that I had a faithful father who kept on looking and waiting for me. I'm so glad he had things settled for me, because when the day came that I needed to come back home, I had a home that I could come back to. Hardest part of Christian life is waiting, but love suffereth long. Dad, I came to tell you, they may not be back yet, but keep waiting, keep looking, be faithful. They're going to come down that road one day. There's some mamas and daddies out there who've been struggling because Junior seemed to be so far out there. Stop listening to your friends tell you what they would do. That's your child. You wait as long as you need to. Keep on praying and keep on waiting and keep on looking. Daddy did that in this example. He did all he needed to. He kept looking down the road. I believe, Karen, every day he got up looking. Waiting is the day the day my son coming home. Is today the day my son coming home? You know it's worse today than social media because you can get reports without seeing, folks. Everybody know your business before your business come to you. They come telling you what your children doing before you even had a chance to talk to your children. Uh, I saw on Facebook that your son, uh, I saw on Twitter that your child, uh, I saw on Instagram that your, uh, they, they tell you these things. Oh, yeah. Most of the time they're not necessarily bringing good stuff. Yeah. If they see some junk, that travels a whole lot faster. Yeah. Junk goes viral quickly. Yeah. And when it's your child, you know it had to be hurtful, and I'm so glad this father... But they had a way of getting news around back then too, and I'm sure he heard from far country how his son was living over there. He heard that his son had spent all his money. He heard that his son was living with folk who farmed pigs. It would have been the most disgusting job his son could have ever had because Jews stayed away with pigs. In fact, they thought it made them unrighteous, and the fact that not only was he living with them, he was so hungry every day he was trying to eat what they were eating. Had to break his father's heart. And yet he was faithful. He could have gotten up and taken his rest of his resources and gone to the far country and picked the boy up and brought him back to the farm. That would have been the worst thing in the world to do. No, he needed his son to get the full impact of the choice of his decision. Hello, stop cutting the lessons short, mamas and dad. Stop making the bed so soft for them. When they choose what they want to do, let them get the full impact of the lesson. We just had a bird to make a nest on the front door of our house. Yeah, had laid laid five eggs, four of them actually hatched. Four birds grew on our front door for six weeks this spring. Mama made the nest so nice. I was so impressed because I saw Daddy bringing food. He paid his child support regularly. Both of them took care of the chicks in the nest. In fact, I made a point to call Karen and say, Robin didn't abandon his boys, his chicks. He came, he bringing worms every day to them. Mama and Robin and whatever her name was, Mama. But one day, one day, one day, The nest was such that they had to go. They had to get up out of the nest. They came. Mama was protecting them. She would fight you if you came to the door. He would too. They'd fly down, wouldn't let you come to the front door. We couldn't come in our front door for six weeks. They would come fly down and try to pick you to protect their babies, but one day came, And they all flew out of the nest at the same time, all four of them. And immediately they flew into danger. I stood there and watched them, and one of them flew immediately from our front door to the middle of the street. And I said, there goes one. Immediately, and he stayed there for about 15 minutes, I watched him. And I said, my Lord, he's about to be gone in 15 minutes out the street. And it just so happened that a car didn't come for 15 minutes, but when the car came, when the car came, it was almost like a movie. I'm sitting there, I almost needed some popcorn watching this. And the car, I could hear it coming down the street, and I'm like, here it goes. And just before the car got there, Lil Robin flew off. He barely got off the ground, but he flew off. And I watched two others, one of them I never saw after that. But I kept watching him to make sure he got to be all right. If I've got sense enough to watch a bird, not that I could do anything to help the little bird, not that he would let me do anything to help him, but if I've got sense enough to help him, the Bible says that God knows every one of us and he counts us more valuable than any of his other creatures. He knows every bird he's ever created. If I can watch the bird, then I know God is watching the bird. And watch this now. I didn't even pay attention to the fact that the daddy Robin and the mama Robin were watching the bird too. They knew he was sitting in the street but he needed to learn that the street is dangerous for him. So they never flew down to tell him to leave. He had to learn that lesson for himself. Some of the problems your children got is you keep cutting the lesson short. Let them figure out the stove is hot. Let them figure out that all those lessons you've been telling them really are true. Be faithful, but stop cutting the lesson short. God always allows us to realize the consequences of our choices. We can choose to love him or not, he's okay with that. And I love this, the last thing, and I'm out of here, not only is this father in this story about these two, these two boys always looking, always looking down the road. Not only is he always faithful, waiting. He was waiting, casting over. You know, the Bible did not tell you how long it took. Scripture doesn't tell you that. No, it doesn't. But he took, he let the amount of time pass. And the reason is because of the last point I want to make, and that is that he keeps looking because he loves his children. Yeah, people. People insult us all the time as fathers implying that we don't love our children, that somehow a mother's love is greater than a father's love. But there's a difference, and this is where Jesus messed up his audience that day. Those Pharisees sitting there would tell him, we've heard this story before. We know how this story ends. We know, according to the Jewish story, that when that boy came, and when that boy asked his daddy to divide his living, he left, he spent it on riotous living. According to the Jewish story, when the boy finally came to himself and got up and went back home, the father, according to the Jewish story, denied him the ability to come home and said, you made your choice, and now because of your choice, you'll suffer the consequences. Get away from me, I don't know you like that anymore. That's the Jewish story. But Jesus turns the story upside down, and instead of allowing the boy to suffer the full consequences, come on now. According to the Christian story, according to the grace of God, instead of allowing the boy to make the situation such that he was confessing to the Lord, the daddy ran out and met him halfway. Before he could get it out of his mouth, the grace of God had already covered him up and protected him under the circumstances. According to Jesus' story, the father loves his son so much that he's ready to draw him back into the household and forgive him of all the problems. See, that's the deal. When we finally come to ourselves, our folk won't ever let us forget that we used to be a rider's living boy. And that's not what the story says. The the story says, I'm going to let you come back into my house. I'm going to put my robe on you. I'm going to throw a party for you. I'm going to give you the ring, which indicates you are back in full sonship. Because I love you so much. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers all the sins you can ever think of, and you sitting here right now ought to be glad that love and God's grace covers up your sin. I know I am. Yeah. And how do I know it? Because the reason why there's a story of two boys is because you have to look at the story from two perspectives. See, the young boy comes back and his father welcomes him after he threw away all his daddy's money. Daddy threw a party for him and they come in and the whole community, the whole house comes to celebrate. What a wonderful thing it is and the father gladly receives him. But there's another story. See the other lost boy who been in the field the whole time. Surely he had to hear the music thumping down there at the house. Surely he had to smell that barbecue that was coming from down there. Surely he had to know that there's a whole lot of movement going on on the farm that ain't normally going on. Surely he stopped one of those servants and said, hey, what's happening down there? And the Bible said he did. And the servant said, don't you know your brother, your brother who was lost is now coming back home and your daddy is going to throw a party for him. Now you would think that the other son, the lost son, would drop everything he was doing. Why? Because don't you think he loves his brother? Wouldn't he run down there and be glad to see his father smiling? You know his father's been sad all this time. Instead, that's not what he does. No, the father said the, the Bible says he keep working. And then he finally comes back and he confronts the father. The father's already in the party. He's, in fact, up doing the electric slide when the younger son comes into the party and pulls him out of the party and says, what is this? You didn't get my permission, the younger son, to have no party. You didn't ask me what I thought about this. I've been here all these years with you and you didn't have a party for me and yet your son, not my brother, your son comes back and you throw a party for him. The father is just like he was embarrassed by the younger son at the beginning of the story, he's embarrassed by the older son at the end. Just like he's publicly embarrassed by the younger son at the beginning of the story, the younger son publicly embarrasses him at the celebration at the end. See, there's no difference between the sons. One just stayed and the other left. Both of them are doing the same thing. Both of them are embarrassing to the father. Both of them are struggling, and both of them have had full access to his love the entire time. And just like with the younger son, the father does not embarrass his son. In fact, he says, son, I've always been here with you. Come on in and enjoy the party. He doesn't shame him. He doesn't castigate him. He doesn't yell at him. He tries to love him back into a right relationship with his brother. And instead, the younger boy gets the attention as being the wrong one. And I came to tell you that it's the self-righteous older brother who is equally as bad as a younger son but it's the father who's the constant, who loves them both. Absolutely the same. The entire view that Jesus gives to those people sitting in audience that day is completely different because while they thought both of them should be punished, Jesus thought both of them should be loved. And I came to tell you today that that's what a good father does. He keeps looking for his child. Why he keeps looking for him? Because he's faithful because he loves them and I came to tell you today keep looking for your children to do better keep preparing for them to come home keep laying a table for them keep laying opportunity for them help them when you can and when they don't it's not your job to publicly embarrass them it's not your job to put them in their place in public that doesn't make you look better in fact it hurts everybody the same way can I tell you this Luke 15 and 20 says while the sun was still a long way off His father saw him, and he had compassion on him. If I ever had to think of the one trait that a good father has, it's compassion. Yeah, it's compassion. You ought to feel for your children. The moment you stop feeling for your children, because can I tell you, they won't always think you're their hero. No, 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 no. They won't always look at you that way. When they see you as simply an equal you need to be able to incur the same respect from them as you have when they're little. Carlton, one day he's gonna look up. He, right now, he's looking up at you. One day, he's gonna look across at you. One day, he might be looking down at you because he's probably gonna be taller than you. And the truth of the matter is, he needs to be able to see you the same way, no matter what his position is in life. But all of that depends on how you treat him, how you love him, whether you respect him or not if you put that in him he might not always agree with you but that doesn't mean y'all have to be enemies just because he doesn't agree with you can i tell you this if our churches are not out looking for the younger brothers it's because we are too full of the older brothers we need to be drawing them in right now yeah they need to be in here part of the celebration right now they need to be part of the party that's going on because there's a whole lot of lost folk out there who need to find somewhere to come. And we need to be out there looking for them, welcoming them, preparing them. I came to tell you today that this father has set the example, and some folk are still a way off, still a off, but that doesn't stop the father from looking for them. Father loves them. Can I tell you something he did? It was against Jewish culture for him to run. But that day when he saw his boy come, he ran for him. And he met him. He ran to get him. Can I tell you, all some people need right now is for somebody to run to. Run to him. Break protocol. Break the quorum. Let them know how special they are. Stop thinking that they got to claw and climb their way back into the front door of this building. Let's go get them. Let's go find them. Let's tell them, wherever they are, we love you. We want you to be a part of what we're doing. Let's stop letting the older brother rule the day. And let's go get them younger brothers and bring them back in there. Don't you know that's why so much killing going on? That's why so much shooting going on. That's why so much dying going on. Because the younger brothers are ruling today. We need to go get them. We need to let them know we love them. We need to be the church that's still looking for folk. Until this day. Until that boy decides to come home that day. All of us have the same responsibility. I don't know what day it's going to be that they decide to come in if they ever do. But we can go get them. And we can let them know we love them. Repentance has a different definition today than it did under those terms. Oh yeah, we think repentance means wearing a what would Jesus do? T-shirt or putting a bracelet on our arm. And that tells folk, I repented. Public showing that I'm sorry for what I did. The Pharisees did that too. They wore it on their clothes saying that they were pious and righteous, but in their hearts they were not. Repentance under those times, in those times, meant that they had a regret for what they did. You hear me talk all the time about the stuff that I did. Can I tell you something? I talk about it by way of example, but I regret it. I'm sorry for all the time I wasted. I'm sorry for the resources that I wasted. I'm sorry for the things I've said. In fact, there's some people who might know some of the stuff I did, and I'm not excluding myself. And there's some people who might know because they were with me, and some because I shared it with them. But nobody knows it all. You know why? Because some of it I don't want nobody to know. I don't want anybody to know everything I did. I don't want them to know everything I said. I regret those days. And I'm so glad I serve a God who doesn't make me disgorge all those things in order to love me. He loves me anyway through all that stuff. He still keeps me as his only child. I know I'm not the only one in here who struggles with that. Some of us don't ever want the whole truth to come out. No, we don't want that. But we don't serve that kind of God. No. Despite my regrets, he loves me through that. Despite the fact that I did all those things, he doesn't hold it against me. He thought I was worth it to die for me. He thought I was worth it to give his life for me. He sent his son to die for me, and his son thought I was worth it to give his life for me. That's the kind of father we serve. I'm so glad today that I know that no matter how bad I was, No matter how bad I am, today even, there's nothing so bad that I'm going to hell. I know that. I can't do enough wrong right now to go to hell. Why? Because the father loves me that much that he's gonna keep me until the day he brings me home with him. My question to you today is, do you have a father like that? Do you have a relationship with the father like that? Do you know without a doubt that you are safe in the household? Of God our Father? Have you accepted His gift of salvation that He sent through His Son named Jesus Christ? Do you know that you're safe? Do you know that you're secure? It doesn't matter really if you're the younger brother or the older brother. We get lost on those definitions. What really matters is if you have a relationship with the Father. Because as you've heard me say, you can't break that relationship once you've secured it. Do you know it? Do you know it? If you don't know him, then now's the time for you to admit how wrong you've been, express the regret, express the wrong, and then ask the father to forgive you and accept you back into the home. That's the kind of father we serve. He's faithful and he's just to forgive us from all unrighteousness. Do you love him? Happy Father's Day. I love you. God bless you. And I can't wait to see you next time in the Cyber Sanctuary. We'll be be celebrating the Lord once again. God bless you.